uh, we come to our point in the worship where we read from the Word. And it's, it's always important to approach the Word with a bit of preparation. You never know what you might encounter in the Word. You may encounter the same words you did yesterday, but come away with something completely different. And so it's important for us to approach the Word with open hearts, ready to receive, than we are ready to find what it is we want to find. Amen? Okay. Our first scripture, I'm actually going to start with the John passage. So if you've already turned into him, I apologize. John 13, verse 31 through 35. I'll give you a moment. It reads, When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the human one has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I also tell you now, where I'm going, you can't come. I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you, say it together, love each other. And from Acts 11, the apostles and the brothers and sisters throughout Judea heard that even the Gentiles had welcomed God's word. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. They accused him. You went into the home of the uncircumcised and ate with them. Step by step, Peter explained what had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, he says, when I had a visionary experience. In my vision, I saw something like a large linen sheet being lowered from heaven by its four corners. It came all the way down to me. As I stared at it, wondering what it was, I saw four-legged animals, including wild beasts, as well as reptiles and wild birds. I heard a voice say, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. I responded, absolutely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice from heaven spoke a second time. Never consider unclean what God has made pure. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled back into heaven. At that moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Spirit told me to go with them, even though they were Gentiles. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered that man's house. He reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and summon Simon, who is known as Peter. He will tell you how you and your entire household can be saved. When I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as the Spirit fell on us in the beginning. I remembered the Lord's words. John will baptize with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then who am I? Could I stand in God's way? Once the apostles and other believers heard this, they calmed down. They praised God and concluded, so then God has enabled Gentiles to change their hearts and lives so that they might have new life. The word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Please pray with me and, and please pray for me. Lord, I thank you for this, this chance to just think and feel. To open our souls and our hearts and our minds to love you as completely as we can with them. And may you speak. May we experience you. Speak through me in spite of me. Speak into our hearts and let us listen in spite of ourselves. And may all that is said and heard, may it be acceptable in your sight. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So I, I'll start with a story, a personal story. Um, it's a strange one. Sometimes you experience things in life and then it takes you a couple years or a decade to try to make sense of it. But I worked as a church camp counselor for a number of years and I worked with third and fourth graders, fifth and sixth, junior high, senior high. I was one of the weird ones. I love the junior high. They are my favorite. And most people say, you can have them, you know, but I loved it. Um, and, and I worked with a high school camp once and we, you know, worked at Camp Manito, which is in Brown County. It's, it's where I pretty much grew up as a Christian and then uh, lived there for a while. But it's 700 acres in Brown County. I don't need to say much more than that, do I? And we all gathered together as a whole large camp, and we went out to the middle of the woods to spend the night, and we did that. And then as we're coming back the next morning very early, carrying our gear, we stopped by an outdoor chapel and had a service. And at the end of the service, there was a, a young girl. Um, I don't know. She's probably senior in high school. I was 20. You know, she wasn't that much younger than me. But I had been in a family group with this young woman, um, which meant that I and another counselor had been with a group of boys and girls, and we'd spent a lot of time together through the week, and there was just something, something that just, she had my attention, and I really didn't know what to make of it. But she was sitting alone, everyone got up and left, and yet there she was, and so I stopped a couple people, and I said, I'm going to go talk to Faith. So I sat down and wondered, you know, maybe she's just having a moment that happens at camp. I said, Faith, you know, how, how are you? And she was real quiet. And I said, I'll, I'll just sit here for a while. If you want to talk, I'm here. And if you don't, I'm here. So I just sat. I was thinking maybe she'd tell me, you know, she wanted to renew her faith or maybe come to God for the first time. And I was, so I was trained for that, ready for that. But she turns to me eventually and she says, my brother assaults me. And being a 20-year-old, I'm like, I don't know what to say to that. So I didn't say anything for a couple minutes and eventually said, you know, God is with you, and you know, assured her of that and encouraged her to give it over to God, to have her comfort and peace be in God, but then to tell her parents and tell her pastor and let's tell the people that need to be told and that it's not getting her brother in trouble any more than he needs to be, you know. Went through all that, and uh, we had a great moment. And then we left and went on with camp, and I passed all the information, did everything I was supposed to do. Three years goes by. I don't see faith. I've never, you know, I haven't seen her since. And, uh, Three years goes by, I'm at another camp in Decoso, because camping is in my blood, and I was invited to come and lead worship and to share my testimony. And so I did, and during that, there were a couple hundred kids out there, and, and I looked in the back, and there was a girl that just sitting by herself, and same sort of feelings, familiar feeling of, I wonder what her deal is, what she's wrestling with. And at the end of my part, I went and sat in the back, and then watched the, the pastor who was leading the week 
do the sermon and do all that. And uh, I just kept, something just kept pulling my attention. And I finally felt something I'd felt with faith. And it was this feeling of go. And that was it, really. Uh, except with this girl, I'm going to call her Lydia. It was, she has something to tell you. And I, do you have anything else for me? Because I don't know what to do with that. She doesn't know me. I'm just some weird older guy. Um, but as they were all walking back, I walked up beside her. I said, hey, I, you don't know me. I don't know you. But you have something to tell me. And I know that sounds crazy. But I know you have something to tell me. And so she, you know, was a teenage girl. Like, what? Weirdo, you know? I said, no, you have something to tell me. I felt like God, you know. She finally said, well, I was at a party this last weekend. And and she started telling me what happened. And I said, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. I don't know what it, it is, but that's not it. So eventually we sat down and she said, my older brother assaults me. And I said, okay. So we spoke for a while and shared. And when I say teen, she was 19 or 20, something like that. Um, we shared for a little bit and prayed together and just spent a lot of time really talking, connecting with faith. Uh, and I finally turned to her and I said, you need to talk to your sister, Faith. She said, how do you know I have a sister? I said, you just need to talk to your sister, Faith. Let me just tell you that. She said, okay. A few weeks later, I saw her because she lived in Bloomington. I lived in Bloomington, saw her and ran into her and she, everything was going really well. But that kind of stuck with me. And I've had moments like that where God has said, say this to that person. I've had to tell someone yes. I've had to tell someone no and other things. And none of it ever has been comfort, comfortable. It's always awkward and strange and always the question of, this sounds like a crazy person, but it's where I was called. Um, and John's gospel today, it's interesting. I love this little, this little blip of scripture, this new commandment, this monumental moment. Uh, we hear it three times. Sometimes we need to hear the same thing three times. Amen. Sometimes we need to hear the same thing three times, amen? Sometimes we got to hear it three times, amen? And now someone went, did he say that three times? Eh? Yeah, so he says, love each other. As I have loved you, love each other. This is how people will know you're my disciples. You love each other. Three times. And our acts passage. The sheet came down three times. Had to grab Peter's attention, maybe. A little bit. Peter has had a little trouble with threes, right? He's denied three times. He's been affirmed three times. Peter has trouble. Well, we also find in this story, this, this strange word for visionary experience, or in some of your interpretations, it says a trance, which frankly is kind of weird. Peter fell into a trance, and then it just goes on as if that's normal, and we don't need to spend any time covering that. But the trance is itself this vision. And this word for trance, we find uh, all the way back in Genesis 2 and Genesis 15. In Genesis 2, when we find the word trance, God had formed a dirt person and then put them to sleep in a trance. And then from them created two dirt people. That's what the name means, dirt, dirt person. Uh, and then in Genesis 15, he made a promise to Abram. And the promise was to bless the whole world through Abram. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to do all these things. And then he put Abram into a trance. 
and he fell asleep. And then God acted out the covenantal promise by an animal had been cut in half and a smoking pot passed through it. This is, this is in Genesis 15. Uh, it made a lot of sense to them. It's just very strange to us. But it seems when God puts people into a trance, something monumental happens. New boundaries form, old ones are broken. Now, Peter, being a good Jew, sees the sheet coming down three times, right? Three times he goes through this. And he knows in his head that there are foods he's not supposed to eat because it says clearly in Leviticus 11 and clearly in Deuteronomy 14, these are the foods you eat and these are the foods you don't eat. Yet here are the foods I don't eat coming down, God saying, eat. So Peter does what any good follower of God would do and says, no, God, I'm not going to do what you say because you say, don't eat it right? You say here, don't eat it, but you're telling me here to eat it. No, God. And God says, doing something new here, Peter. You're in a trance. Don't you get it? Something new's happening. Peter is still a little unclear, but he yields to the Spirit, and he goes when three Gentiles show up. Three Gentiles that come from a Roman centurion. Now, Peter knows how Jesus died. How did Jesus die? On a cross. Who made the cross? the Romans. Who stood and nailed him to it? The Roman officers ordered by a Roman centurion. And here, somebody named Cornelius, a Roman centurion, comes and says, come to my house, Peter. You can understand Peter would be like, this is crazy. But he goes. First, he gives them lodging. He eats with them. That's what he's criticized for later. And then he goes and he steps into the house Four little words, he entered the house. Seemed very small in the scripture, but was very big at the time. Crossed a boundary. And he pronounces this new way among the Gentiles. He says, no one shall be called profane whom God has deemed pure. The spirit falls upon them, and this incredible thing happens. Up to this point, it's been believed that you don't eat these foods, and that you don't associate with these people. But that is all changing in our scripture today. Let me ask you, did God change. But we have the list of food at the beginning and God's word twice. And now we're supposed to eat what back here says don't eat. Did God change? Genesis 12, the call of Abram, he eventually tells Abram, and you, Abram and Sarah, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All of you. That's been the whole goal. God never changed. Salvation and healing is offered to all through Jesus. And Peter goes on to, to share the good news with this group. So what you don't know is in Acts chapter 10 is when the thing actually happened with the sheet three times. And then in 11, he tells it again. He tells the whole story. He doesn't just say it happened. He tells it all again. Is that for the people in Jerusalem to hear it again, or is it for the reader that the author's written it down all the way in detail twice for us to read? Are we hearing the message? Something is happening here. And that's kind of how it goes with God, right? That's how your faith works. He says that he shares the good news with the people in Cornelius' house, this Roman centurion. And here's the good news according to Peter. Peace. 
Now we say, and, but peace in their eyes, peace was right relationship with God. Peace comes through Jesus. Right relationship with God comes through Jesus. I know I'm going to get an amen on that. Amen? Anyone and everyone who fears God and then does what God finds acceptable in them receives the Spirit. Amen? The idea of doing what is acceptable is our, our idea of repentance. I'm going to spend a moment on this word because this word gets used a lot and I think it gets confused. The way we find it here, word repentance means changing your mind. Changing your mind. The way that it's often used in the Christian scripture is you change your mind, the state of being in your mind about your attitude, your behaviors, the way that you see things, the way that you understand what's important, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with God. You, we all have this egoish kind of way as we grow up. It's all about us, right? You can come spend time with my three-year-olds. They'll show you all about it. Uh, it's all about them. And frankly, I haven't grown out of it all myself. But the point is when we say Jesus is the way that we can find right relationship with God, we then receive the Spirit, which leads us into a life of repentance, and it's ongoing. It starts with baptism of the Spirit. We do the water as a sign of the spiritual baptism, but then it is a lifetime changing of our mind, our attitude, heart, soul, mind, strength. Until we die, we are on this repentant road, constantly needing to change the way we see things. Amen? Is it God who changes? It's us. It's us. So this happens in Acts 10. And in Acts 11, they criticize Peter for doing this. I understand. So he tells the story again. And he reminds them, John baptized with water. Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what brings this change. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed, then who am I to hinder God? Now the people in Judea could have had one of two responses. Could have heard Peter and said, you're going too far, Peter. We don't go into those homes. We don't eat that food. But it says that they, when they heard this, they were calmed, or in another translation, they were silenced. And then they praised God, saying, God has even called the Gentiles into repentance. <sighs> Praise God, yes? Raise your hand if you're a Gentile. Praise God, yes? The apostles and believers, they accepted the change. Did they need to hear the story three times, I wonder? Or did they hear the story of the three times twice as we read it in Scripture? How has the peace of God been experienced in your life? The right relationship that you have experienced in your journey of repentance toward perfection. How has it changed your life? Is it, did God change? Have you changed? How? Have you grown in your understanding? Do you think the same things today that you did 10 years ago? Will you think the same things today that you will 10 years or five years from now? I hope not, because if you're changing and growing, then things will change. Have you grown an awareness of the world around you? And let me say it this way. Someone had a t-shirt on this week. I'm sorry, this seems crazy. Someone had a t-shirt on this week that said, everything changes when it's someone you know. And that's all it says. Everything changes when it's someone you know. We hear of things as kids, you know, I, I'd never met anyone from a different country, you know, and had this whole idea of what that person was like. And then I met somebody, and I was like, oh, 
you're a lot like me. Or then you hear of somebody with a particular disease or illness and you know it's not really part of your life, but then you meet a person or it's your loved one and then everything changes. Or then there are people in your life who've heard the name Jesus because I'm pretty sure everyone in the United States has heard the name Jesus at one time or another. But all they know is something that feels so detached, but maybe they just need to know it in the flesh. Maybe everything will change when it's someone they know who says, let me tell you how God has changed me. That puts this whole idea into flesh and blood. All families on earth will be blessed. I kind of happen to think there's something really beautiful happening. One third of the world's Christian. Do you know that? Have you ever heard that figure? One third of the world. Which means if we lined everybody up, all the people, it'd be a long line, all in a line, and we interdispersed the Christians evenly, it'd be what? Every third person. Which means the Christian could simply reach to the right and left and grab a hand, which means that every single person in the line would be holding the hand of a Christian. Coincidence? But we have to grab the hands. Because Paul says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is that something to celebrate? Yes. The Holy Spirit is leading us. The Holy Spirit is leading you, wherever you are, to push the boundaries of your comfort zone. To push the boundaries of what you thought your life was going to be about. And you've been put into place with a purpose to bring healing and salvation to all the earth, to all people, to anyone who will extend peace. What Jesus says, go and offer peace. If they receive the peace, stay with them. If they don't, okay, go on to the next person. Don't carry any of that experience with you. Go on to the next person. That's our call. The Holy Spirit calls you to go and tell. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how connected you are, how lonely you are, how inept you think you are. You can tell the story of the peace that you've experienced. The Spirit might lead you to people in your life that you're not comfortable with. Will you go? Might you stand next to a Roman centurion? We have trouble seeing people through the love of God. I do. I like to think I've got it, and then I realize, no, I don't quite yet. Anybody else? Anybody have trouble seeing yourself through the love of God? To understand what it even is to love each other, we must understand how Jesus loved us. So let's look there. Peace with God, right relationship with God, true and total, complete shalom of our heart, soul, mind, and body comes through Jesus. Yes? We believe this? You can say it as you believe it if you want. Yes? All right, there you go. Now we're cooking. This love was proven how? On that cross. Love was proven on the cross. Even while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us and we know of God's love. And Jesus responded the, only with agape, a self-giving response through the entire process. The love of God, even when the power and the cruelty and the pride and the hatred of humanity rejected him and arrested him and beat him and killed him. He offered forgiveness. That still just blows my mind. And who stands at the foot of the cross? My picture is too dark. There's a Roman soldier's silhouette there. Peter 
It's going to have to love like Jesus loved. Even upon the cross, Jesus offered forgiveness. From the tomb on the other side, Jesus three times in John says, peace be with you. Peace, right relationship with God be with you. Accept this peace offered in Jesus. Accept the Holy Spirit, which invites you into this ongoing life of changing of the state of your being, your mind, your attitude, until you get into rhythm with God. Accept the boundary-breaking plans that the Holy Spirit has for your entire life and for your world, whatever that may look like. And when we hear of new things happening that even stretch our comfort zone, let us dance with joy as the promise of every knee and every tongue confessing is being fulfilled. Let us dance with joy. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you are with every one of us. You require nothing other than our willingness to let you, to know that you are what we need, to know that Jesus is the way that we have come to right relationship with you, even though we are still flawed, even though we have so much work to do. You accept us right here and now, and you invite us to keep going. Call us, Lord. Let us hear the words in our ears. Go, do, be, call, talk, share. Tell us where to go, Lord, and we will go. We will go with the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. Amen.